let me tell you why it's so important that you and I know faith and practices faith and that that faith that we practice is work in other words if you're believing for miracle that you see miracles in your personal lives and and you know whether it's in healing provision and etc right and the reason I want to do this is not so that your life could be better that's yes that's one of the benefits but really the ultimate goal is not just for believers to have an extra ounce of uh, uh, resources at their disposal for their own indulgence the whole idea for us to practice faith is so that you and I can be so good at it that you can be a blessing to those who cannot help themselves Because Christian faith is not about us four and no more in our family. Christian faith is not inward looking and only for yourselves. That is not, in fact, if that's the goal, you might not even have the, 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 the ability to uh, or, or have the experience of seeing your faith uh, bring any fruits. It is the desire of God's heart that every believer will, will learn how to practice faith on themselves to see that it's working. And when it's working, then you can be a blessing to others. Otherwise, our preaching is very hollow. Hello. You know, every time when you want to share the gospel with people, you know, sometimes, I don't know about you, I feel like some of the things that I say would, sounds hollow even to me. Unless I can back it up with my own testimony, then your testimony is weighted and has authority. So one reason why you and I want to learn about faith is not so that it, we can indulge in it or we can, we can be better than other people, we can, we, can, we can brag about it. It's not a personal thing. It's not something that you carry on your own, but it's something to be given away. Because it's freely that you are, being, you are given, freely you should... Freely you receive, you're given, freely you give. I know, I know, I just messed you up there. So today we're going to talk about, finish off the types of faith. We started the two types of faith. I'm going to review it. Turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter 10, verse 52. Oh, thank you. Yeah, thank you, thank you. It's Mark chapter 10, verse <laughs> Mark chapter 10, verse 52. So in Mark chapter 10, verse 52, I'm going to tell you the story. There was this blind man asked Jesus, oh, I want to get healed, I want to get healed. He screamed out, shouted out, and then Jesus healed him. And then after Jesus healed him, he didn't take any credit for it. He said, go your way. Who has made you well? Come on, read it together with me. Who has made you well? Your faith. Come on, let's say it again. Who has made you well? Do you know that it is your faith that can move the hands of God and activate power of God to flow into your life? Jesus didn't even claim that. Yes, there's time that Jesus healed people, you know. He spit on people, do all kinds of stuff. But, but this, there are times, many times, that people's faith that actually move the hands of God. And that's why we want to study the type of faith that could move the hand of God. And last week, we studied about this incident where Jesus said, your faith had made you well, where the blind man had a... What kind of faith did he have? A bold faith. 
You give it all back to the teacher, right? He had a bold faith. The first type of faith that we talk about is bold faith. You have to be bold if you want to believe in God for anything. Don't be timid. Don't be shy. He just, he just, he just was so bold. He, he screamed out to Jesus, you know, and then he faced opposition. People want to silence him. And the more people silence him, the more opposition he got, the bolder he become. And he screamed even louder. So sometimes, you know, when you want to come and believe in God for something, you need to be bold. Bold in asking, bold in being specific, and bold even in the midst of opposition. That's the type of faith that will move the hands of God. And that's why he got healed. And that's why Jesus said, your faith has made you well. The second type of faith is a courageous faith that we talk about. It was in Mark chapter 5, verse 24, 34. You don't have to turn to it. But the story we heard about this uh, Syrophoenician woman. Uh, no, this, no this, this woman had... Had spent all she Phoenician. This is a woman that, that had the issue of blood, and she um, she came to Jesus, you know, and, and she had the courage to to believe in God, to see God heal her in a manner that has never been done before. The Bible said that she said to herself, nobody said anything to her. It hasn't been done before. She hasn't seen it anywhere. But she said to herself, "If I would touch the hem of Jesus' garment, I'd be healed." This is the kind of courageous faith that believer needs to have. You don't need to, you know, we, we always like to always only walk in the in the ways that have been walked before and do the things that have been done before. But if you know anything about our God, he said he doesn't hardly ever repeat himself. And so when it comes to healing, sometimes we have to have the courage to believe in God to heal us in a way that he hasn't healed anybody else before. That's courageous faith. He said to himself, he, she was courageous also because in, spite, in, in, in the face of possible persecution and possible being stoned, we talked about it last week, she continued to press in and believe in God. So you and I need to have that kind of courageous faith. And at the end, Jesus said to her, your faith has made you well. Now today, we want to look at another type of faith that had moved the hands of God. I call them the submitted faith. Oh, it's a really dirty word in our culture. Submission. Faith that is under authority. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For two, I am a man under authority with soldiers under me, and I say to one, go, and he goes to another, come, he comes, and to my servant, do this, he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who follow him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from the east and the west, recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. That will be the people, the Jewish people that had rejected Jesus. In that place, there will be terribly weeping and gnashing of teeth. So to end of the century, and Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at the very moment. You see, she, he, come, he came to century and came to Jesus for healing. And that Jesus, you know, would want to come to his house. Like he would to all who would invite him to come. 
And so he was, he was trying to proceed to go and, and do uh, the work of healing for his servants. But this centurion understood how the power of God flows. That most Christians today do not understand. They can pray and holler and fast and yet there is no power. You know why? Because they don't understand that in order for the power of God to flow, our faith must be under authority. Turn to your neighbor and say, under authority. Come on, let's everybody do it. It'll help you. Under authority. Do you know that every time when you want your faith to work, you need to understand that your faith and my faith needs to come under submission. So this centurion is saying to Jesus, I understand how this thing works. You just have to say a word because you are under authority of the Father. And the centurion said, I'm in the same boat. Because I am under authority, and because I am under authority, I can say to those who are under my authority to go, and they will go, and to those who are under my authority to come, and they will come. But if I should remove myself from the authority, from being a centurion, all those people who are now under my submission will not listen to me. In order for the demons, in other words, to be fearful of us, we need to understand that we need to be under submission and under authority. A lot of people say, oh, pastor, I, I, I'm under authority of Jesus. But they can never submit to anyone. It's almost like saying this, is that, oh, I love God with all my heart. But they don't, they don't like the people around them. They don't like the Christian they go to church with. They don't want to talk to them. The word of God says that if you cannot love the brother, you can see. The brother that you can see. How can you say you can love the God that you can't see? A lot of people say, oh, you know, I, I just come out under authority. I'm under submission, you know. I'm under th what they're saying is they're under submission only to God. They are fearful of being under submission to man. I understand because in the past there have been a lot of abuse. And I have been one of those who, who are under authority that, you know, the, the best case scenario was you just roll your eyes like, goodness me, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. The worst case scenario is that they, many of them had abused authority. And so we are fearful. We are like, ooh. And because of that, most believers are powerless in our days. Because they don't know how to be under authority. When you're not under authority, there is no authority flowing through you. When you're not under submission, there's no authority flowing through you. You can command the demons to go and the demons will turn around and laugh at you. Now this is a free country. Even if you are not under submission, under authority, you still go to heaven. For sure, because you call upon the name of the Lord and you are saved under grace. But I'm talking about if you want to work and move under the power and anointing of God, you need to find yourself a place where you can be under authority. If this is not the church that you can be under authority, you need to find a place that where you can. I'm not asking you to submit to me because it doesn't do anything to me. It doesn't add a cent to my pocket. Are you here this morning? You're so quiet. 
I heard the other day somebody came up to me and somebody said, you know, Pastor Paul, you know, I, I'm just believing that, you know, you know, the people of God, they will just, they will, they will honor, you know, men of God like you, you know. And I responded by saying, hey, you know, I pray the same thing too because I really want to see that the people of God have such authority that wherever they go, they will move with such authority and then, it, then when they cast the demons, demons actually run. But that I pray that they will come under submission too. The minute I say that, I could see the countenance change on her face. Because it's just words. It's like loving your brother and sister. Oh, I love God. I love God. What does it mean? It's just words. If you can't love the brother and sister, you can't see, and you see you love God, just words. Because you know what? God is invisible. You can't get there's nothing you need to do. But the brothers and sisters that are here, you need to do something. It's the same thing as authority, is that if you're not under authority, you can never see authority moves. You can holler and claim, and in the name of Jesus, then that's why we're living in a generation that is so powerless, because the entire society do not, does not believe in submission to any authority. And again, I understand, because there's been a lot of abuse in the past. But I cannot believe that there's not one man of God in this city that you can submit to. There's no one man that is pure in heart. Because if that's the case, God have mercy on us. Are you here this morning? I know it's a hard sermon to preach, but it's true. I myself look for authority to submit constantly. And after I've found them, and I have a couple of them, they come and preach in this church. You've seen them before, you know. they found them. I'm the one who actively look for them, hunt them down for their schedule so that they can speak into my life. You see, when I'm under authority, not only there is such a flow of the power of God, but there are the fringe benefits. That is, they'll be able to point out my blind spots. Do you know how important it is for people to point out blind spots to you? You can go in your merry way, have, 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 have your clothes coming out or, or, or toilet paper dragging and behind your back. You wouldn't even know it. But somebody has to be kind enough, you know. It's like, hey, this, uh, you got a tail or something, you know. Fire is low, whatever, right? But if, you know, if nobody want, could want to point things out to you, you, you're living in the oblivion. You don't even know, you know that something's going on with you. You know, you know, on my face, this area where the mouth is, I, I don't sense anything for some reason. Right? Just, just don't sense anything. So when there's food on my, around here, I wouldn't know. So I remember my wife and I had one of our first dates. And, um, you know, I mean, she hasn't really made any commitment to, to be my girlfriend. You know, it was just the first day I tried to impress. So we went out for dinner together. And, and she didn't tell me that day. I wish she did. She didn't tell me. I think only after she married me or something like that, she told me, she mentioned to me. I was thinking about, why did you tell me, right? She said, I was staring at that little piece of morsel of food on your face all night. <laughs> that is embarrassing. Oh, I wish you would have just reached out with her tender hand and just swipe it off. Oh, come, let me help you. Oh, I would have felt all kinds of love in my heart, you know. But instead, she was just staring... 
You would love to have the benefits of people pointing out your errors for you. Are you here this morning? And so under submission is that there are a lot of blind spots that I don't see and you don't see. And so people, you know, if you give permission, you're not people saying, you, there are people that have come to me and say, oh, Pastor Paul, I submit to you. But I said, well, from their action, I don't believe it. So I still never say a word. Now I used to have this brother here, you know, he, he come and say, oh, Pastor, I, I'm completely submitted to you. I know they're just words because I usually would want to just wait and see. Are you here? People need to feel comfortable to speak into our lives before they speak into our lives. Because nobody wants to volunteer information lest they're being rejected. Another word, that another scripture has come to mind when I speak is that the Bible says don't throw the pearl to the swine. Not saying you're a swine, but it's the unnecessary. You, you, you give opinions and you give nuggets to people that it's not necessary. They turn around and do what? They bite you. I'm not mad. This is my desire is to see that the people who are part of this house walk in such amazing authority. And you're not signing up for life. You know, I'm, just, I'm just telling you that if you and I develop a lifestyle of submission, doesn't matter if you're in Toronto, you're in Timbuktu, wherever you go, you learn the key to submit you will go very far in your walk with the Lord. Much further than you can possibly imagine. But first you need to be under submission. You know, if you want to yeah, become a Kung Fu master, right? I want to mention some of the movies that I've watched, but they're too violent, so I won't mention it unless you judge me. But if you want to be a Kung Fu master, you've got to look for the master, and the master will decide if he, you know, wants to you know, waste his time. The benefit is not to the master. The benefit is to the person that, that, that become the student. Why? Because there is a lot to receive. But submission is such a dirty word, that's why generations of believers are so powerless. They got the best music in the world, they got the best lights in the world, shandai, smoke and everything, right? But there's no power. Or some even gone to all religious, we don't need lights, we don't need, we don't need anything, but they still have no power. If, if we have no power anyways, I'll take the lights, hallelujah, thank you Jesus. But we want the power of God, don't we? We want the presence of God to move here, don't we? So whether lights or not, we need to be under submission in order for God to move in our lives. Anyway, so that's the third type of faith that can move the hands of God. The fourth one is even more impressive. Mark chapter 7, verse 24 to 30th. And from there he arose, Jesus arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He entered the house and did not want anyone to know, he, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and he, she begged him to cast the demon out of her. And this is what Jesus said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take 
take the children's bread and throw it to the dog. Stop right here. Can you imagine you come out here after the service, you know, just as I am come and receive the Lord. And everybody come here. And I say, oh, you dogs. You think that's going to go very far? Not these days. People be all offended. What? Would you call me? How dare you? I'm going to stop coming to church. And yet, verse 28. Yes, Lord. Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. For this statement. This statement. And she went home and found the child lying in bed. And demon had gone. What kind of faith moved the hands of God to rid her daughter of demons? Watch this. It's a faith that does not take offense. You know, in our days and times, believers are so easily taken an offense. Just a little thing in church, get them all upset. You know why? Because we treat church like a restaurant. We treat the things of God like a restaurant. And so we have believers get offended so easily. It's like walking on the eggshell with them every time you talk to them. Lest you say some words to offend them. And you know, I'm really good at that too. I offend people all the time and that's why people leave the church. But you know, the type of faith that sees miracles is the type of faith that will not take offense. We have all kinds of believers go from one church, not, not this church, you guys are all great. But you know, people go from one church to another, many of them is because they have problem with relationship. They take offense so easily from the pastor to the ushers to the parking lot, law, parking lot warrior. If people didn't smile at them, they're all upset and all hitsy up and just go went and leave. And because they have taken offense so easily from one church to another, they never could stay in a church because when you have people, you will always have offense. Unless you want to stay in a cave, live in a mountain, you know, be a monk or something. But if you want to live regularly, you will always see people, not only in church, you know, if you work anywhere in the office, in any office in this city, you would have had some enemies, or not enemies, people that you don't like. What do you do? And yet believers go from one church to another, never dealt with the fact that they need to learn not to take offense in anything. Because there is a pearl and a treasure behind the offense. You know how a pearl came about? How many know what, how, 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 how you harvest a pearl? How do you create a pearl? A pearl. Oyster, right? How many of you love oyster? I love oyster. I just started to eat raw oyster a couple of years ago. I always felt it was really gross. People go, it's like, oh, it's like eating alien food, you know. What is this? And finally somebody convinced, I can't remember who convinced me. You put a bit of a lime on it. I'm totally off track right now. Put some hot sauce and go, oh, it was great. Oh, man, I can do this all day long. 
Too bad I discovered it when I'm in, in my age, you know, cholesterol is the issue right now, right? So young people, go for it, you know. Just <laughs> but you know, pearl, pearl, you can, you know, pearl comes about because there's this sand that is inside the oyster that bothers the oyster. Are you here? Not just one day, not just two days, not just three days. It's like on and 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 on. I could do this all day, right? On and on. Oh, offended all the time, you know, disturbed and just unease. And it produced an amazing pearl. Without offense, there's no pearl. You want your faith to work, learn not to take offense so easily. Don't go get upset with me when I put some curtains up at the back. <laughs> Somebody asked me this week, Pastor, you know, every time you make changes like that, do people tell you that or they just leave? I said, they just leave. <laughs> wow. There are people dying everywhere for their faith. And yet, believers are so easily offended for so little thing. No wonder we live in such powerless generation. Friends, may I encourage you that we will not be offended. Commit to yourself that you will not be offended at all. I was going to say it's easily, but at all. Let it roll it off your back like a, like a, like, like a Teflon. You know, like a Teflon material. You throw water at it, just, just roll it off. It doesn't stick. Let our hearts be such that doesn't matter what people throw what at us, especially Pastor Paul. Let it just roll off. I'm not giving my excuse, myself an excuse to be offensive. I'm not that way. I'm, I'm actually typically a pretty nice guy. Wouldn't you agree? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You know? I don't think so. I don't but I don't, I don't go out of my way to offend people. Jesus went out of his way. Jesus went out of his way to poke a needle. What is that? It's to create a pearl. And desire definition, they got it. Worship team, can you come out please? There's one common thread. Through all these four types of faith we have been talking about since last week. Do you know what that is? Where's my pianist? Oh, Susan, can you come? Is Susan here? Thank you. There's one common thread through all these four faith. For, for faith. You know what it is? Humility. You cannot have any of that faith without first developing brokenness 
in your soul. Without humility, of course you'll be offended. Without humility, of course you cannot submit. Without humility, of course you will have no courage because you always worry about what people might think of you. When you have humility, you don't care what people think, because you you don't care about their opinion anymore. You're so broken and humble before God. Without humility, you can't have boldness. One needs to have total brokenness before God to have these four types of faith. It is my prayer that we all develop that kind of faith. Not only will impact our lives and the lives of the people around us. But when we are become seasoned, faith, mountain-moving people, that we will use what we have practiced and learned to bless those who cannot help themselves. Because friends, there are a lot of people cannot help themselves. Even sitting in this church, many people cannot help themselves. They are reacting to every storm, every struggle, everything that the devil would throw at them, and they keep reacting, 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 and their life is constantly struggling to stay above the water. Ultimately, they can't rest. We started this whole thing to talk about faith because we believe that without faith, you cannot rest. And so people are struggling and struggling and trying to stay above the water because they don't have faith. They just haven't got the faith to trust God, to rest, to believe in the impossible. So tonight, I mean, this morning, this afternoon, I want to encourage you to pursue this kind of faith that is full of humility. Would you please stand?